This is Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, your primary source for quick and reliable geopolitical risk intelligence. Welcome aboard. I'm Emily Donahue. Not too long ago, Denmark released a report on the damage to the Nord Stream pipeline. It said leaks were caused by, quote, powerful explosions. Some blame Moscow for those explosions, but gas pipelines aren't the only critical infrastructure at potential risk deep under the oceans of the world. In fact, as Rain's cybersecurity analyst Ali Plushinsky says, increased Russian naval activity in recent years around underwater deep sea cables is actually causing concern. Ali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Let's hop right in. <laughs> no pun intended. What exactly are underwater deep sea cables? Absolutely. Um, so underwater deep sea or submarine cables are fiber optic cables, and they make up the uh, physical infrastructure of our global internet. Uh, in fact, they carry as much as an estimated 95 to 97% of our global internet uh, across the world. And the cables themselves are not usually much bigger than a garden hose. And although they're covered with some layers of copper and nylon for insulation purposes, they're, they're not naturally very protected. Um, and they can be thousands of miles in length and are on average 3,600 meters under the water, but can go as deep as 11,000 meters in some areas of the world. And most of them are owned by private companies. Um, there's about 400 that are in operation today. Um, and they are integral to connecting different countries to uh, our overall global internet infrastructure. Um, so they're really interesting. You know, I lived in England back a long time ago, and it was very hard to get international telephone service that was affordable because um, there weren't as many undersea cables and telecommunications hadn't become as advanced as they are now. But here they are, they're lightly wrapped in one of the most hostile environments in the world. I mean, could they be damaged? And if so, how bad could it get? Yes, yeah, so they actually get damaged much more frequently than I think most people realize. And this is, you know, to your point, the fact that the ocean itself is not a very hospitable natural environment. And there's so much maritime activity that happens in the world that a lot of the times when there's fishing vessels that are going over these sea cables that are along the ocean floor, especially closer to shore, um, anchors or nets can drag along over top of them and end up cutting them or disrupting them. And a lot of the times this isn't a major issue, especially in countries that have a lot of sea cables connecting them to the rest of the world. So the United States has hundreds of cables connecting it to the rest of the world. But to your point about when you lived in England, there are other areas where they really rely on one or two cables to keep them connected to the global internet infrastructure. So an example of this occurred recently in October when um, the Shetland Islands off of the coast of Scotland had a cable cut. And the result was that uh, most of the Shetland Islands couldn't access any part of the global internet, including domestic um, emergency services. Most islands on the archipelago couldn't use credit card payment systems. And while this only lasted, I think, two days at the time, um, the impact of this can be monumental for some of these smaller islands or countries. Um, an even bigger ex example occurred in January of this year when the island nation of Tonga in the Pacific, uh, there was a volcano on the island that ended up 
similarly disrupting its only cable that connected it to the global internet and it ended up not having global internet services for five weeks because of the time that it took to get a repair ship out into the open ocean and uh, able to repair more than 80 kilometers of this this damaged cable. That volcano, the more we learn about it, the more damaging and historically humongous we learn it is, right? Right, because following the volcano, it subsequently triggered a tsunami, which was really the primary actor that was responsible for the destruction to the underwater sea cable connecting Tonga to the rest of the world. So, Ali, let's talk about threat actors and what they might do in damaging sea cables and the impact that that would have. So, it's important to note that there's never been as far as we know, an intentional act of sabotage against one of the underwater sea cables by an international actor. And that's in part because there are constraints on a threat actor's desire to engage in this kind of activity. As I said, these sea cables are responsible for 95% of our global internet. So even adversarial countries such as Russia or China or Iran have a reason to not attack these sea cables themselves because their own economies could be injured if they engaged in an act of sabotage against some of these sea cables that their own economies rely on for uh, internet access. That being said, however, there are, as I said before, some cables that only connect certain areas of the world, um, and those may be of more strategic interest to threat actors. There's also areas of the world called choke points, which are similar to maritime choke points, and this is where a lot of sea cables are passing through the same area. So one of these areas is the Red Sea, where we sort of saw an example of how vulnerable these sea cable choke points can be in June when one particular sea cable that was running through the Red Sea was damaged, and this caused internet outages in seven countries, including Ethiopia, which lost 90% of its connectivity, followed by Somalia, which lost 85% of its connectivity. And even though that was a short-lived incident and they believe that it occurred by natural causes, um, this incident highlights how even just one cable that's in one of these really highly strategic locations, if it's damaged, can have an outsized impact on not just one country, but you know an entire region of the world. And so I think the biggest concerns about threat actors would be if they specifically look to target either one of these choke point areas of the world or specific sea cables that, for example, are connecting the United States to Europe or a specific cable that would be of interest to Western countries or to the United States, for example, especially as tensions continue to increase between Russia and the West. Thanks for that analysis, Ali. Absolutely. It was a pleasure getting to talk with you today, Emily. Ali Plusinski is RAIN's cybersecurity analyst. You can read her work in RAIN ThreatLens, which is our security intelligence solution that offers strategic and tactical intelligence for global organizations. Find out if ThreatLens is right for your security teams at RAINnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.